When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. This week was a very big week for annoying people. We've got quite a bit of nerd anniversaries and holidays that have all fallen pretty much on today, but this week in general, so we're going to go through it. Today is is May 4th, or if you're into the Star Wars fandom, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you all. I never thought that I would be celebrating this made-up holiday, but here I am celebrating it because I have now seen the majority of the movies and I am on the last level of Lego Star Wars. I don't know how we got here. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know how we got here. I never thought that this day would come that I would be celebrating Star Wars, let alone have seen a film. But that's really the power of friendship because I am friends with some big old nerds who have somehow convinced me to watch Star Wars and have somehow further convinced me to enjoy Star Wars. So I do blame them. This is their fault. I didn't have capacity for any more fandoms, and yet Star Wars just snuck its way in there. Somehow, some way. And if you're not into Star Wars, this week is Multiverse of Madness Week, which is the new Doctor Strange movie. The premiere was on Monday, on the same day as the Met Gala, which we will get into. Like I said, big, big week for annoying people all across the all across the board, no matter what you're into. Really annoying week, I gotta say. I am a part of that group of annoying people, but I have to have some some foresight here. I know it's it's a, it's really bad for anyone who's not into any of the things that I'm going to be talking about in our opening minutes. I'm excited for Multiverse of Madness. I'm hearing kind of up and down reviews, which means that it might be pretty good. Because if there's no general consensus, it might work out for me. I don't know. All I know is that my girl, Wanda Maximoff, killed it. Elizabeth Olsen has been getting glowing reviews. So that's one thing that's been pretty consistent. So I truly don't care what happens in the rest of the movie. Uh, as long as she does well, I'm good. But I'm super excited to go see it. I'm going to see it tomorrow night by myself for the first time and then I'm going with some friends on Saturday which I think is always the best way to do it like you go with friends but then you also go by yourself so you could take in the film by yourself really digest what's going on which is technically what I'm doing but my reason for going by myself first is because I'm going to the Alamo Draft House, which I have mentioned before on this podcast, and they can still sponsor me. The time is, it's always a good time to sponsor me, Alamo Draft House, just saying. But I'm going to my local Alamo Draft House, and I get to see this movie 
with an Alamo Draft House fried chicken sandwich. So I know that my my friends and mutuals got to go and and schmooze with Elizabeth Olsen and Benedict Cumberbatch at the premiere in LA, but I get to watch it by myself with an Alamo Draft House chicken sandwich and a Coca-Cola. So it's not a competition, but I do win. Just saying. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. I'm very serious. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to go and see it. I have no expectations. I saw a tweet saying that you there is a whole like laundry list of things that you need to watch. I am not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't believe that film should be homework. The last time that film was homework for me was in college. And even then, I didn't do it. I didn't do it all the time. I'm sorry, mom. I I didn't always watch the films that I was supposed to watch when it was like almost legally required for me to do so in order to obtain a degree. And look what happened. I still got my degree. So why would I do it in my free time for free for this film? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I tweeted that I am going into this film with one rewatch of WandaVision and a prayer. And that is, I'm sticking to that. I am sticking by that. Um, I'm not going into it with a whole laundry list of homework that I've done. It's simply crazy to do that. So I will not be doing that. Thank you so much. So like I said, I'm going in, I'm having fun. Because like I've said before, we need to make going to the movies fun for the girlies again. Like I'm going in to have a good time. I'm not going in with any expectation. I'm not expecting anyone to show up. If they show up, fantastic. Wonderful. So excited. So happy for them. But I'm going in with zero expectations. And I think I challenge the rest of the general public to do the same. Watch media with no expectations and you're you're going to be wowed all the time. <laughs> you're going to be wowed from start to finish. When you go in head empty, oh, bliss, bliss. Ignorance is bliss. On the other side of the annoying people had their uh, day in the sun conversation, the Met Gala was on Monday. And fun fact, the Met Gala is happening 10 minutes away from where I am recording this podcast right now. I live very close to the Met, and so one of fashion's biggest atrocities was happening just but 10 minutes away from where I am currently sitting. Amazing. The The theme this year was Gilded Glamour, which is kind of a paying homage to the Gilded Age, which is so fitting, which is, if you don't know the Gilded Age, from what I understand, is like a a period in time when the rich and bourgeoisie kind of were oblivious to the the issues of the common man which that's not all that shocking or different from now but yeah that that was kind of the the vibe that was going on they were oblivious to the corruption and everything that was happening to you know the lower the middle and lower class which huge shocker there um i am not a fashion girly i i do what i can for me and that's about it. I don't I don't profess to be the most fashion forward person. So I don't have any hot takes other than some people just didn't dress to theme. And I just don't feel like celebrities appreciate themed parties. Like I love a good theme party. I love production value. Like sue me, I do love production value. And so if I'm invited to an event where there's a theme, you bet your bottom dollar I'm gonna honor that theme. 
I'm going to do my research. I'm going to, you know, put together a piece. I'm going to try and find something that's going to work for said theme. Some celebrities weren't doing that. And you know what? That's fine. Some celebrities are allowed to be off theme. If you profess to be a fashion girly, this should have been your moment to to show up and show out. And not everybody was doing that. Not not everybody was doing that. And you know what? That's fine. That's okay. From the news that we received during the Met Gala about the the leaked uh, Supreme Court decision, what really matters at this point? It's just a lot of things going on. Um, And we're all just trying to get by at this point. So this this episode is me getting by. And I hope you are also getting by. So speaking of the Met Gala, at the event, there was a bit of a a cross-generational high school musical reunion with Olivia Rodrigo, who is on High School Musical, the musical, the series, uh, which is a Disney Plus show that follows a high school doing a production of High School Musical. It's like very meta. I've heard it's very good. I haven't I haven't seen it, but I do really enjoy Olivia Rodrigo, her album Sour. I listened to it very late. Like if you're on TikTok, you probably heard one or two songs from her album Sour, which was it was really I I enjoyed it. I don't know. It was tapping into the old like Disney Channel, you know, like Teeny Bopper days, which is what we'll be getting into today. But it was Olivia Rodrigo and Vanessa Hudgens, who, of course, was in the original High School Musical. I think Vanessa Hudgens was doing coverage for like maybe Vogue or something. And so they got a chance to have a little chat. It was very cute. And seeing them chat got me just thinking about Disney Channel in general, specifically Disney Channel's golden years, which I personally am calling the late 90s to the early 2000s. Now you can differ, um, but it's my podcast. So during that time, Disney Channel was the television destination for like tweens and teeny boppers. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So join me as we take A little walk down memory lane on the history of Disney Channel's golden age. So in case you don't know, I am, I'm 23 turning 24 this year. So that means that I was in the prime market for Disney Channel's heyday. I was there for the premiere of the Cheetah Girls. I remember the first, like the day that the first high school musical movie aired I remember that day very clearly I remember the premiere of Hannah Montana I remember deciding which color team I was going to be rooting for with the Disney Channel games I was there for it all I really was and I wasn't kidding when I said that Disney Channel was destination television for a very long time and throughout the year too So like in the summer, you had Disney Channel Summer or So Hot Summer or Totally Rockin' Summer. In the fall, you had Monstober for Halloween. In the winter, you had Disney Channel Christmas or Fala Lala Days, which is like a little bit later on. And that's just for Disney Channel, like in the afternoon. In the morning, you had Playhouse Disney. You had Roly Poly Oli and Out of the Box and all these other shows. You had Bear in the Big Blue House, which I'd like to take a little tiny second to talk about Bear in the Big Blue House and my somewhat beef with that show. Um, I loved it growing up. This is a little aside. If you're wanting to get into the history part of Disney Channel, just 
scrub about a minute or a minute and a half, but I'm going to be bearing my soul for the next minute or minute and a half, if you don't mind. So I love Bear in the Big Blue House growing up. It was a show that was like all puppets. They were like Jim Henson creature shop creations. It was a really fun show about this like very calming bear. And he like lived in this big blue house. Shocker. Um, and he had all these friends and I was so excited. And so when I started my TikTok, I every once in a while will talk about shows like like that, like from my childhood that are like like children's educational programming. And so I was really excited to talk about Bear in the Big Blue House. And I did this video last summer. And so I did the video. And I will say, I want to say this wasn't my best video. It wasn't my best video by a country mile. I was working a job that was draining me and I just had no creative energy left to make videos, but I still, I still tried. And sometimes you just get videos that are not that great. So I, I own that the video was not that good. So I made a video about Bear in the Big Blue House and I, unbeknownst to me, did not know that the uh, puppeteer and like voice of Bear was on TikTok. And I think his name is Neil. He found my video and I had a couple of things that weren't correct, which, you know, when you're like a an educational, entertainment, like a uh, pop culture research channel, that's not a good thing. Like you, you kind of can't have those moments, especially when your tagline is your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Sometimes you can't miss and sometimes you just do and it sucks. So he made a response video to my and he kind of corrected it, which the issue was for me that he was correcting things that like I couldn't have known. Like I do as much research as I can, but I can only go off of what is readily available to me. I don't have any like primary resources to to talk to you about the show. And he, of course, is a primary resource because he was there. So in his own gentle way, he like made a response video and kind of like respectfully and gently dragged me from sea to shining sea. And so when I saw that video... And I saw that he like tagged me in it. I at first I got excited because I was like, oh, my gosh, like Bear from Bear in the Big Blue House, like notice my video. That's so cool. Because up until that point, I'd been getting like a couple people like, you know, seeing my videos and everything. And so I was just like, oh, you know, this is so neat. And I watched that video and I started bawling my eyes out. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Because I was like, I got it wrong. And there were some things that I just, I couldn't have known. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I just, I, don't, I, I was, I was, it was one of the worst times that I've had as a creator. Because I try and do my best and put my best foot forward. And that was just a moment where it just didn't happen for me. And sometimes that can happen. And you have a bad video and it kind of like goes into the ether but to have the person that's on the show that you're talking about have to correct you oh my gosh so so embarrassing peak embarrassing so now unfortunately I can never look at bear in the big blue house the same because of that that little that little moment but that's not what we're talking about that's not what we're talking about today but it, I just like to share that little anecdote uh, because it was indeed embarrassing peak embarrassing in fact anyways like I was saying, Disney Channel was was a moment in time. That era of Disney Channel was definitely a moment in time for me and for a lot of people my age, I know. So 
before we can get into kind of that era of, of Disney Channel, like the golden era, we have to talk about kind of where Disney Channel got started. So believe it or not, this the Disney Channel is almost 40 years old. It's 39. The channel was launched in April 18th. The channel was launched April 18th. 1983 and it originally started as like a premium cable channel so in the early days it just showed like cartoons and concert specials and kind of like uh promotional materials for the disney parks at the time so 1983 the newest disney park would have been epcot so they showed a lot of like content around that and as the 80s rolled on in 80, 1986 the channel got its first kind of hit show which was a show called kids incorporated which was kind of like a a musical sitcom of sorts kind of about this uh like fictional pop group and in this time it starred a young jennifer love hewitt and fergie which is pretty neat um and so like i said as as the 80s kind of crawled on we got kids incorporated which is kind of like the first kind of big hit and also concurrently with disney channel around this time nickelodeon was kind of doing a similar thing where they were trying to find their footing with original content and just figuring out kind of what the voice of their channel was going to be. So at this time with Nickelodeon, they had, you can't do that on television, which was like a Canadian kids sketch, sketch comedy show. So I think the mid eighties with, when it came to channels that were for kids content, they were like, kids love variety shows. Let's just do a variety show. And so they did a variety show. So back to Disney Channel. In 1988, they also got a show. They made a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And if that name sounds familiar to you, you might recognize this fun fact that I'm about to tell you. So Good Morning, Miss Bliss was canceled on the Disney Channel after just 13 episodes because of low ratings. And the show got canceled on the Disney Channel and then very quickly got picked up by NBC. And so NBC picked it up. They kind of retooled the show. And then that next year in 1989, NBC premiered a little sitcom, you might know it, called Save by the Bell. So Good Morning Miss Bliss was the kind of uh, spiritual ancestor of Save by the Bell. And it, and it got its start technically Saved by the Bell got to start on the Disney Channel, which is pretty neat. And then by 1989, the Disney Channel revived the iconic, absolutely iconic Mickey Mouse Club. And yes, this is the version that of the show that featured just some of the biggest stars still now, like major stars that got their start on this show or kind of like blew up on this show. So in this version, we got Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chazet, Ryan Gosling, Carrie Russell, and of course, my girl, Britney Spears. I think the Mickey Mouse Club is truly like, I don't think we consider it to be as big of a institution as it is, but it was, it was kind of the like original, I would say maybe like content farm, like it content and talent farm like it was the uh, show that if you went on there you had a big chance of being able to skyrocket to the moon as far as success went and it's not just this version the original version way back in the 50s like made stars 
out of Annette Filicello and just a couple other people. Like every every time I go to say Annette Filicello's name, I think of the um the Muppet Vision 3D pun on her name, which is Annette Full of Jello. So I always have to catch myself. But point is, the Mickey Mouse Club was kind of that show that you could go on and become like a massive star. And so it happened in the 50s and it also happened in the late late 80s early 90s this version of the show was just called mmc so they like wanted to make it like you know like hip and cool for the 90s so it's not the mickey mouse club like your parents mickey mouse club it's mmc we're cool and it's like it's the same it's the mickey mouse club that's the point (laughs) so i can honestly do a whole episode really on how iconic the mickey mouse club was because it, it truly like i said was a talent farm So the success of the Mickey Mouse Club and kind of the general vibe of Disney Channel was rolling through the 90s. I will say that in the 90s, the Disney Channel wasn't quite the place to be um, that it turned into. I think a lot of that accolade goes to the ABC TGIF block that had like Full House, Step by Step, Boy Meets World, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like a lot of what Disney Channel eventually became kind of started on ABC and then eventually they pulled that general model over to Disney Channel by the late 90s. So also in the late 90s on April 6, 1997, Disney Channel went away from being a premium cable network. So up until this point, you had to have premium cable. It was almost the equivalent of having like HBO. Like you had to buy the Disney Channel um, in order to see like all these different shows. And so by this time, by 1997, they had just kind of transitioned to a regular cable network. And they also dropped the the in front of Disney Channel. So We know it as Disney Channel, but definitely a kind of older generation might know it as the Disney Channel. So super cool. In this time, we kind of get what eventually becomes like the Disney Channel that we recognize. It begins to take form with a programming block called Zoog. It was like Zoog Disney. And it was catering to it was like a an afternoon to like late evening block that catered to teenagers pretty much because up until this point. It's important to note that the Disney Channel was mainly a family channel, which doesn't sound all that strange because there were definitely things on like the in Disney Channel's heyday that were for families, but the Disney Channel was a family channel. So there were shows that were maybe for like older audiences, there were shows that were for younger audiences, shows that people could like watch as a family unit. There wasn't one specific target market other than just families. So by the time Zoo Disney kind of rolled around, they started to turn their attention to a more specific target audience with like teens and tweeny boppers pretty much. During this time, there was also, they kind of broke up the programming blocks into thirds. So there was uh, Playhouse Disney, which obviously was shows that were catering to uh, preschoolers. There was Vault Disney, which showed like classic Disney shows and cartoons and then Zoog Disney which was their more so like original programming block and so in this time we got shows like the famous Jet Jackson, Lizzie McGuire, Even Stevens, Kim Possible among a lot of other things and this is also 
when we got our first round of DCOMs, which are Disney Channel original movies. And among the first DCOMs, we don't tend to remember them all that much because let's be real, they weren't that good, but we had to start somewhere, right? So there technically were DCOMs in like the very early starts of the Disney Channel in like the early 80s, but they weren't what we would consider to be DCOMs now. Like they were, but they weren't, if that makes sense. In kind of the 80s era of the Disney Channel, they were called Disney Channel premiere films, which a popular thing for many networks like CBS, NBC, ABC, they did like a Sunday night movie. And so that was kind of what these movies were for. Like you had such classics as Anne of Avalon, the continuing story of Anne of Green Gables. Not really giving Disney Channel vibes, I would say, off of that. But then by 1997, we got Disney Channel original movies, which were movies catered solely to kind of the teenager, teenager market that were like, somewhat original stories that were a little bit younger in feel. So Disney Channel, like I said, up until this point, had been just a general family cable channel. And by 2003, they had fully leaned into being a channel for tweens and teeny boppers. Like I said, sure, families could definitely watch the programming, but this was the first time that the channel started airing content that wasn't catered to any demographic other than maybe, I would say maybe like eight, to 14 like that was the prime market and it was also during this time that we got our first musical decom in the cheetah girls and i kind of i need to go off about the cheetah girls for one hot second if that's okay and also if you're saying oh well xenon was technically a mu- it was not a musical they had a song in it that doesn't make it a musical so the cheetah girls first musical i just want to make that make that distinction clear okay so I'm going to I'm going to tell you how many people watched the premiere of the Cheater Girls. But I want you to guess how many people saw it worldwide. I want you to just have a number in your head. Take a second, think about how massive the Cheater Girls were and how many people you think were watching this movie worldwide when it first premiered. So you might be thinking maybe like 10 million, 20 million, like that's a lot of people. And if you're thinking around those numbers, you're not even close. 84 million people worldwide, not in just the U.S., but worldwide watched the first Cheetah Girls movie. That's history. Like, I, there's no other way to slice or dice that. 84 million people worldwide saw the Cheetah Girls movie. And fun fact, I didn't know this. The film was produced by Whitney Houston, which honestly is not all that shocking because the music of the first Cheetah Girls, like, I mean, what what can you say other than just excellence? Absolute excellence. Like, it's, it's phenomenal work. I don't know what to say. Like, the Cheetah Girls and the Cheetah Girls 2, classics, absolute classics. I will say the right kind of a, Ranking for the Cheetah Girls movies goes as follows. It is Cheetah Girls 2, The Cheetah Girls, and then Cheetah Girls 3, One World. Because The Last Cheetah Girls didn't have Raven in it. Like, I'm sorry, but Raven, she was she was Disney Channel for a long time. And we're going to get into Raven, but she was Disney Channel. Like, she was the queenie of Disney Channel. Like, I don't know. There's no other way to to say that. Like, between... 
her show, That's a Raven, Cheetah Girls, and just her just appearing in other things, being on soundtracks for all these different, like, she was that girl. Like, Disney Channel was was truly, it was her channel. It was her channel. And so I, I just want to say, clearly, I have some very spirited feelings about the Cheetah Girls and and Raven. And the Cheetah Girls meant a lot to me. I love the Cheetah Girls so, so much. So much so that I am remembering a moment in time when the Cheetah Girls went on tour and who other than Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana was opening for them. So imagine the the convergence of these two iconic fixtures of my little pop culture heart on tour together. I was so excited. And I, at one point I'm remembering that I was supposed to go to the concert and my mom told me that she had got tickets and I was so excited and I was like telling everyone like yeah I'm gonna go to the Cheetah Girls concert Uh." and I think it was something like I kept pestering her about buying my school's like pictures because everyone else like everyone else's parents were like buying their pictures and so I was I was really excited and I wanted my mom to buy my pictures and I know that I kept bugging her about it and eventually, I think I just bugged her too much. She was like, okay, that's it. You're not going to this concert anymore. And I was crushed. I was crushed. Now, was I going to the concert in the beginning or even like, was I going to it at all? Did my mom have the tickets? I will never know. I truly will never know. But in my heart, I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. Um, I think that's just the name of the game when it comes to me and concerts. I've never been to one. And I just feel like I have bad luck with it. Every time I've wanted to go to a concert, tickets sold out, can't get them, or I was going to go and it just fell through. It just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about me and concerts, but it just never works out. Also, just like from a diversity standpoint, like the majority of the people in that group are black. And so that meant a lot to me that they were like these massive success of Disney Channel and they were majority black. I don't know. It's amazing. Clearly, the success of the Cheetah Girls and it being like a musical decom led to the development and creation of High School Musical and Hannah Montana. I think the Cheetah Girls showed the potential of success of these like musical properties for the Disney Channel and they just ran with it. They really like really leaned in pretty hard to it. Like I said in my intro, I remember the day of the premiere of the first high school musical movie it was in 2006 i was at my grandma's house like i had been there for the weekend and usually disney channel original movies always premiere on sunday nights because monday morning it was all that anyone could talk about pretty much at school so i remember it i was at my grandma's house for the weekend and my parents had just come to pick me up and it was like late at night so i was getting ready to be picked up right when the movie was premiering and so I was freaking out because I was like guys we gotta get home like I need to watch High School Musical like it was it was a very big deal to me eventually I watched it and so I was able to participate in all the conversations about the movie the the next week at school but High School Musical was also a really big deal to me I loved I love a good musical I just I go like clearly I love a good musical um High School Musical, the first soundtrack really went off. Also, if you're listening to me and you're like, yeah, 
Zach, I think this is common knowledge by now, but I still want to share that if you listen to the first High School Musical soundtrack and you're like, wow, Zach Efron's voice sounds a lot different um, than it does in High School Musical 2 and High School Musical 3 senior year, that's because it's not him singing. It is Drew Seeley, who truly was carrying Disney Channel uh, on his back at the like during this period because he was everywhere like the ghost voice ghost singing voice for so many people on a litany of disney channel original movies and so that's him that's his voice singing for troy in the first high school musical movie and then eventually they phase into zach efron's singing voice for the last two movies i think i was a bigger fan of high school musical 2 so much so that i had the poster for that movie hanging in my room for too long one could say in my baby pink room when I was in like middle school and probably in high school is when I took it down. It was up there for, for quite a long time. So I really loved High School Musical. I talked about this on a stream with my friend Momo. And we were talking about how when High School Musical came out, you either went to a High School Musical party or you had a High School Musical party or you received something High School Musical adjacent as a gift at some point, which is so true. I remember having, I think like a High School Musical shirt at some point, like a bunch of like little books and stickers and everything. I had the High School Musical DVD game. I don't think I ever played it, but I did have it. And so it was just like, it, Disney Channel really leaned into the merchandising. Let's just say that they leaned in wholeheartedly to the merchandising during this time uh, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing something with high school musical hannah montana that's a raven not a ton of like sweet life of zach and cody stuff but i'm sure it was out there like disney channel was was on top of it when it came to the merchandising so i'll end up also of course like i said during this time we also got hannah montana which again hannah montana big deal to me i love the whole like by day, she's just regular Miley Stewart, and by night, she's Hannah Montana, secret pop star. The first album I remember ever buying with my own money on my little silver iPod Nano was the Hannah Montana soundtrack for season one. And that soundtrack, stellar. Stellar. I mean, there's like six songs that are actually Hannah Montana songs, and the rest of them, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Find Yourself in You. Oh my gosh. Jesse McCartney. Oh my gosh, so good. Pop Princess? So good. And also one thing that you cannot ignore during this time in Disney Channel history and lore is the fact that Disney Channel, like I mentioned with the Mickey Mouse Club, was this like teen celebrity talent farm. I mean, you had Raven Simone, you had... Christy Carlson Romano, you had Miley Cyrus, you had all these people, Ashley Tisdale, Demi Lovato, Zendaya, Zendaya, all these people that went through the Disney Channel talent farm process and are now like major stars in their own right. And it was so crazy to see them all in one place during this time, like all these celebrities and stars, Selena Gomez, like all these people who are now like huge celebrities by themselves went through this kind of proverbial like ringer with Disney Channel. And some of them, you know, came out on the other end, not unscathed, but doing fine. And then some of them did not. And I think it's become kind of weirdly synonymous with Disney Channel to be like, you, you do like the Disney Channel child star thing. And then you kind of go crazy in your early 20s. And then you kind of like mellow out, which a lot of that happens to a lot of 
you know, like child celebrity. So it's not all that crazy, but it feels like Disney Channel really became synonymous with that idea that happens to people who find stardom pretty early on. And now it's 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 weird to see that these people like were on these shows for so long and kind of had to do the Disney Channel thing. Definitely it was kind of all but known that Disney Channel child stars were very restricted and what they could do and what they couldn't do. And so that's when you saw people kind of acting now and doing crazy things because they were so restricted, which now I think is a lot more relaxed as far as I know, because technically Olivia Rodrigo is still on High School Musical, the musical, the series, and her songs have all these cuss words in it. And she's like dressing, not in a provocative way, but in a way that like any other Disney Channel star of like 10, 15 years ago would have gotten completely like dragged for so they've definitely i think have since relaxed a lot of those restrictions that they put on their stars but a lot of that started in this time period so by the late like mid to late 2000s we started getting shows like wizards of waverly place that had selena gomez you had venus and ferb which is a big show and then that kind of like heyday that i mentioned especially with like the hannah montana's the lizzie mcguire's that that's a ravens began to phase out and we kind of got more ensemble cast shows and then you got like ant farm and shake it up and by this time Disney Channel had absolutely cemented itself as the place for anyone in that age uh, bracket that I mentioned, which is about like eight to, to 13 or 14. And I think it still is that. I can't speak to that because obviously I'm not in that age group anymore, but I definitely can attest that it still is like what was created during that time when I was a kid definitely has now become kind of a fixture of Disney Channel. Um I definitely think that there are still stars coming out of Disney Channel shows, like I mentioned, Olivia Rodrigo, but I don't know if it's to the same extent as it was during that time. And maybe it doesn't need to be that anymore, you know, like maybe, maybe that golden age of the Disney Channel, we don't know all of what went on behind the scenes with that. So maybe it, that time was, you know, a period off in the distance, like it's of the past. It was fun as a consumer watching all the content that came from it, but maybe that was just a moment in time and it's not that anymore. So I don't know, I don't quite know where the Disney Channel is now or, or where it will be heading. As far as I know, I don't think it's like truly a channel anymore. Like it is, but it isn't in the way that it was during this time. So the future truly is is unknown i think obviously as you could maybe tell especially by the length of this episode i i adored the disney channel it was a very big deal to me for a lot of that time period i would spend the summers at my grandma's house with my cousins and i remember watching the disney channel pretty much every day like we would ping pong back and forth between nickelodeon and disney channel but i would be there we would be watching the newest decom shows that we loved reruns of shows that we loved old like cartoons i remember like staying up and watching the premieres of shows like brandy and mr whiskers and dave the barbarian all these shows that were incredibly short-lived but i remember watching them and them being like a, a big deal to me and i so i think this moment in time was was crucial and pivotal to who I was at that time and kind of I, I know it bolstered my love for pop culture for sure so that was the Disney Channel that was the the golden age of the Disney Channel it's definitely a period of time that I think we're starting to hear more about from the stars themselves as they get older and they kind of 
get a little bit nostalgic for it and think back on that time period. But that's that's what it was. I, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. This was less of a, a research-heavy episode. We got some research in there, but it was just mainly me talking about how much the Disney Channel meant to me as a kid and more anecdotal. It's a more anecdotal episode, if you if you can if you can say that. A lot more stories of, of childhood me, if you will. And what's crazy is that I didn't even go into my my Jonas Brothers phase, which was definitely running concurrent with the Disney Channel stuff. I love the Jonas Brothers. It goes without saying. If I ever do kind of a just like 2000s pop culture episode in general, that's when I will really let loose on my Jonas Brothers era. But we're going to table that for now. If you don't know, The Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you've made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. You're an afternooner now. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok and on Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. You can keep up with this podcast specifically over on Instagram at Hi, I'm Bobby Podcast, and that is all one word. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I'm not going to remember that, I just went down this nostalgia wormhole talking about Disney Channel original movies and these shows, and I think I might need to go and rebend all of that's a raven. First of all, same. And second of all, that is so great, and there are absolutely no worries with that because I put all of that information in the description box just for you. You're welcome. As you can probably tell, I, I do spend, I typically spend a lot of time researching, but this was an episode that I was writing and just kind of just allowing nostalgia to to take its course. So I put on a lot of, of music typically when I do these episodes. And so this week, this week's episode was powered by Disney Channel original movie soundtracks. What else could it be? Literally, what else could it be? Specifically, the soundtrack for High School Musical. That is all three movies, all three albums, all three bangers. And of course, the Cheetah Girls, the Cheetah Girls soundtrack for the Cheetah Girls 1 and for Cheetah Girls 2. Um, like I said, we don't really talk about Cheetah Girls 3. That is just my personal opinion. Uh, I truly hope that you enjoyed this week's chat and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.